0: Welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser.
1: And this is Steph Smith.
0: And today we're going to be talking about how you can get more out of your most valuable resource, which is time. So Steph, we should probably kick it off with where we've been for the last four weeks or so. We did a 30-day podcast challenge and then we committed to publishing an episode every week and then we didn't do it. So where have you been?
1: I think it's actually been more than four weeks. But yes, we totally dropped off the map with the podcast. And it's because we've been working on this course doing time right, which we're going to talk about in this episode. But I think one of the things we found in the course is that you can only focus on so many things at once. And with us going all in on the course, we just had no time to record this pod.
0: Yeah, I think one of the really encouraging things, which I didn't expect is I've at least gotten maybe five to 10 people reach out and be like, hey, where's the pod episode this week? So it was pretty encouraging to hear that at least some people are looking forward to it and were asking for it, which isn't true of everything I've done.
1: Yeah, we both have worked with startups. And the most common thing that kind of tells you if you're going in the right direction is if you actually stop doing something and people ask where it's been or what happened to it, which, like you said, I've written a newsletter in the past. I've done many things that I've dropped off the map with, and not all of them do people actually look out for. So I had the same thing where a couple of people were like, where's the pod? And I was like, you listen."
0: Yeah. So if you're one of those people who love the pod, please do us a favor and leave a review or reach out and let us know because it definitely has encouraged us to keep going. So why don't we kick it off with we spent all this time on this course. Why did we even take this on in the first place? It was your idea originally. So I'd love to hear directly from you on it.
1: So we're going to talk about this course throughout this episode. If you want to go learn about it, buy it, whatever, doingtimewrite.com. We're not here to promote it. I hope that people actually get some value out of this conversation. But the reason that we created this course is when I create products online, I've vouched for this idea of only really creating products when you're excited about them or when you feel like you have some unique insight that perhaps some portion of the world hasn't come to on their own. And I felt like this with the way that people spend their time. Now, Neither you or I are perfect in the way that we spend our time. But I think in particular regarding the digital age and our ability to leverage some of the resources there, over the last five years or so while we worked remotely, I think we actually have come up with pretty solid systems. And you have been better in some areas like delegation. Perhaps I have a little more experience with automation. You're definitely better at elimination. I think what I noticed is that in working with some of my colleagues, not calling any out in particular, I just noticed that some of them weren't operating very effectively. It could have even been simple things like how they manage their calendar, meetings that were unnecessary, their tendency to stick with synchronous activities versus asynchronous. So none of this was rocket science, but I just noticed that a lot of people were operating inefficiently. And so I remember noticing some of these things and I just came to you and I was like, hey, I think people would find this useful. I think we actually have something to say here. And then that kind of just unraveled into course.
0: And then it led to a big three-week sprint of producing all the material and publishing it. And it's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we actually launched the course and it's been going really well. I think over 600 people have bought it or so right now and lots of good feedback so far. Hopefully we can improve it in the future, but why don't we dive in? This is also a topic that I'm passionate about. I'm certainly not perfect with how I spend my time, but I am someone who always thinks if I'm 80 years old and I'm looking back, How do I make sure that I have as few regrets as possible? And that kind of starts with what you do every day, including defining what matters to you and then making sure that you're spending time on those things instead of the noise. And the other thing that I think was important to me in this course is I've done a lot of work doing just that, which is eliminating the noise in my life. I feel like it's extremely hard in the modern era with all of this information available to us and coming at us, especially with people working remotely for the first time, that can be a challenge. And there's many simple tools and mindsets that I think can help you get much more out of your time, which ultimately is awesome because then you can spend it on the things you like. So it's not just about getting more done at work and accelerating in your career. That's certainly one thing you could do if you wanted to, but it's also, spending more time with your family or spending time on activities you enjoy. That's what I hope people get out of the course, which is to spend more time on the things that actually bring them value in life and less on the things that bring them down or away from where they want to go.
1: Yeah, you mentioned something I wanted to touch on, which is this idea where a lot of the things that we talk about in this pod, probably, and certainly in the course, they're not rocket science. And in fact, they're really simple things. But what's crazy is you see so many people who are just, as I like to say, like running on the hamster wheel. They're just like trying to move faster. They're trying to figure out how they unlock these incredible skills in life. And they're trying to do all the hard things, which is fine. You have to do hard things in life, but they've totally skipped over some of the really easy things that really unlock your ability to do so much more in life, which is why. I just had that revelation one day of even if this sounds really simple, some of the takeaways that we've introduced, these are things that people could just implement in their lives today and hopefully unlock many hours and many years as it compounds over time.
0: Yeah, I think one of the core concepts that relates to that that's worth understanding is just the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. So I think when most people try to be more productive or get more out of their time, they focus on being more efficient, which means getting more done in a shorter period of time. That's certainly one piece of the equation. Probably the more important thing is effectiveness, which is getting the right things done. And that's just because if you pedal really fast in the wrong direction, you're probably not going to end up getting anywhere near where you want to go. And you actually may go away from that. But even if you go more slowly in the right direction, you're going to see your efforts compound over time. And you're also going to see the value from that because you're going where you want to go. And that's an area where I think the productivity literature has just failed because it often focuses on just hacks for doing things more quickly without really allowing people to step back and think, is this essential? Can I automate this? Can I delegate this? Do I need to do this in the first place?
1: Exactly. I think that actually brings us to our favorite analogy, which is from the book. It's really the foundation of it, which is this bicycle analogy. So when we were thinking through how to frame the course, we had come up with a bunch of different ideas and frameworks and systems that we wanted to share, but we wanted some underlying current that was a through line of the course. And as we were thinking of it, we came to this idea of a long distance bike journey. So imagine that you wanted to cross the country on bicycle. You just woke up one day and you decided to do this. And as you would expect, that's going to take a while. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be hard to actually complete. And this can be framed as similar to other big goals in your life, whether it's writing a book one day, whether it's raising an incredible kid for two decades, whatever it might be, there are things in life that take a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of days that you have to show up. And ultimately, those are the things that make you really proud at the end of your life. But in order to check those things off your list, you have a long journey ahead of you. And as we were thinking through how do you actually go and make those long distance journeys, what we came to was the idea that as we had just talked about, a lot of people start the journey right away. They're like, okay, I'm going to hop on my bike. And then when they're on their bike, they're like, how do I get there faster? And we call that kind of moving faster stage iteration. So a lot of people can probably relate to that when they think of productivity. But what we came up with was this idea that even before iterating, there are four key steps. The first is mapping out your journey. So if you're going on a long distance journey, you should probably know where you're going, around how long it might take, if it's really grueling in certain parts or just anything you should know, how's the weather going to be, what should you bring with you? So that's identifying your goals. The second is eliminating anything that's not essential. So imagine a bike journey where you bring four backpacks worth of stuff. There's like a monkey on your back or something crazy like that. And it's just going to be a really terrible journey because you decided to just hop on your bike. It's probably a shitty bike if you just hopped on the first day that you had the idea. And elimination is all about what's not essential. What can I eliminate from this journey so that the rest of the journey is just a lot easier Once you've eliminated, the third step is automating. So you've already got rid of the stuff that's not essential, but you're probably on some shitty bike that you just hopped on. And so automation is like getting an electric bike and using the tools around you, the machines that exist today to make your journey a lot easier. So do you still have to show up every day? Do you still have to pedal? Yes. But is your journey going to be a lot less grueling? Also, yes. And then the fourth step before iterating was delegating. So once you've already eliminated what you can, automated what you can then you delegate whatever is left from your plate that you can remove and that's like upgrading your bike so take your basic electric bike turn it into a really badass electric bike imagine if you actually go through all of those steps finally you're on this bike it's badass it's powerful you don't have anything unnecessary on your back you know exactly where you're going that's a pretty fun journey and that was the whole idea is that finally when you get to the iteration step you're enjoying the journey we even have these graphics that we used in the course and the guy on his bike is like smelling a flower and it's sunny outside. And I guess the final thing I'll say about that is just we really enjoyed coming up with this analogy because once we had come up with it, we just saw all these parallels. And I'll name two one of them is just the idea that if you think about a cross-country journey, you're spending most of your time on your journey and not at the destination. And we think that's analogous to how you know you actually pursue goals in life, right? You're spending so much time working towards them that you should actually enjoy your time along the ride. And then the second thing I wanted to quickly mention was in the elimination stage, which I think is the most important, partially because I struggle with it the most, is just this idea that there's going to be a lot of things that distract you along your journey. And we think of those as like detours, right? So you might see If you're on a bike, like a petting zoo or like a really cool movie theater or something. And at the end of the day, every so often detours are fine. But if you're constantly detouring, you're never actually going to get to your destination.
0: Yeah, on the concept of detours, I think one of the cool things, if you can set up your ecosystem in a way where you're spending time the ways that you want to, actually, the right way to do that is to create slack in your system so that if you do find some detour or something interesting, and that could just be, hey, you're at a dinner with a friend and you're not overscheduled, so you don't have to go to the next uh, appointment or whatever. And you can actually spend more time there if that's fun for you. And so it's actually, that's part of enjoying the journey, which is creating space for the serendipity of life.
1: Exactly. That's an idea we talked about in the course. It's intentional margin, where a lot of people like to fill their cups to 100% or more. I think a lot of us are actually underwater. And one of the things that we encourage is to design intentional margin into your life, which can be really hard because you always feel like you're missing out on things if you're not using your all at all times. But as you mentioned, I think some of the people that we mentioned in the course, like Nassim Taleb, Einstein, Mozart, they all had designed this really intentional margin into their lives. And they actually spent a lot of their time relaxing so that ideas could come to them and that they could actually focus on the things that mattered.
0: Yeah, I love that. The idea is just like success is defined by how much free time you have or by how much time you spend on the things that you enjoy. And of course, we all just have to do things that we don't want. You can't eliminate that from life completely, but if you can systematically take away the things that are bringing you down or change your direction so that every day you're at least enjoying things 10% more, one of the concepts we talk about is progress is motivating. Sure, you could set up a system where you wake up at 4.30 every day and you exercise and you meditate and you have this really strict regimen, but if you don't enjoy that, ultimately you're not going to stick with it and so it's really about finding things that move you in the direction you want to go that you really enjoy because then naturally you get up out of bed and bringing it back to the bike you want to get on the bike and actually start your journey because that's something that's really cool to you and something that you want to tell people about and achieve and i think a lot of us get caught in ruts where we feel like we need to keep doing things that we did before just because we committed to them or because they worked in some way shape or form we don't really rethink where we're going or how we're going about getting there The last piece is, I know we introduced a lot of tools that are pretty new, like things like Zapier and other things that can help you introduce automation in your life. And that's just an area where if you didn't get the right exposure, you just may not be aware of all of these really cool, mostly software tools that can help you just get more out of your time. And they may cost a little bit of money, but you get way more back in your time. So I think we spent a lot of time on that as well, just because we got introduced sort of fortunately into a lot of these things early on since we started
1: working remotely. Yeah, I think one of the key concepts in the course is that we have more tools than ever, but it's insane that I think a lot of people feel more underwater than ever. And it's interesting that you just see, I think we called it the great productivity divide in the course, but basically there are people who have figured out how to use the machine for the better, right? Machine meaning tools like Zapier or whatever technology we now have access to. And their ability to use these machines for the better compounds for the better. But the people who basically succumb to the machines, tools only do what you tell them to do. If you don't design systems so that you're using the tools for the better, that'll just compound in the wrong direction. I wanted to call out one thing that you mentioned, which is this idea that you need to continue showing up, especially if you have a tough journey ahead. I gave a couple presentations about this bike analogy recently. And the first question that we always ask is, What do you think the number one thing is that's preventing you from reaching your goals? And we always get some assortment of answers, FOMO or shiny object syndrome or context switching, or there's a whole slew of things that people respond with, but all of them can be distilled back to our own psychology, our ability to manage our own brain, right? This bike analogy is similar in that the bike is not going to break down on you. It might get a flat tire or something, you fix it. But at the end of the day, the bike will always show up. The person or thing that won't always show up is yourself. So I think that's really the core of being productive and achieving your goals is figuring out how to use your own psychology for the better
0: definitely. And that's like a lifelong journey. I feel like one of the things that I'm experiencing is as you go through different stages of your life. So you begin everything and then you're just a learning sponge. And then maybe you go to college and then you get a job and then maybe you have some additional income. Maybe you have kids after that. Each stage requires something different from you. So it actually requires you to change the way that you do things and to reorient your life. And then you're also changing as that happens. You know, It's often really good to step back and say, what's working, what's not working and identify the essential things that are going well and double down on those and figure out maybe there's something that used to work really well for me that doesn't work for me anymore, or I don't need to do it anymore. A personal example on that topic is I think for most of my life, I've worked extremely hard. So you could call that some sort of competitive advantage. I think it's available to everyone. So it's not... Unique, But I did probably outwork people in a lot of ways. And so that combined with focused energy in the right direction ended up moving me up the little ladder that I wanted to go. But actually, now when I look at my life, one of the things I don't want to do is continue working at that same pace, in part because I find myself sometimes burning out, or I find that my energy levels aren't quite the same as they were 10 years ago. And I find that it's actually better for me to figure out what actually matters and to put limited daily time into that instead of just continuing to grind way. So that has been like a multi-year journey of how do I go from work really hard, get results that way to identify things that actually matter, still work hard, but leave space for the other things that are important in my life.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of one of the concepts we talk about in the course, which is this idea that time is zero sum. But in particular, we talk about how when you're born, you have X amount of time dollars to spend and you have to spend it throughout your life. You can't. Preserve it. And once you spend it, it disappears. So, someone who's 20 has more time dollars than someone who's 60. But also, I think you're right that as you grow older, the importance of you spending those time dollars more effectively is so much more important, partially because you have less, but also partially because, yeah, your body doesn't work the same way. You may have new priorities like kids. So you really do have to focus on what's essential. And that's something that I've struggled with over time because I think up until maybe a couple of years ago, I had more time than opportunities. And recently that's inverted where I now have more opportunities than time, but I have carried along the same habits from before where I'm excited about things and I constantly want to say yes to things. And I need to now start saying no to things and is hard for me, honestly, because I always am like, oh, that could have some benefit to me or this could lead to some other opportunity. Or imagine if this happened, if I was on this podcast. And realistically, I think one of the things that I've come to terms with and we included in the course is that you can no longer, if you're at that juncture where you have more opportunities and time, ask, is this valuable? Because you can warrant value with anything, some value. And you instead need to ask, is this essential? Is this really essential for me to work towards my goals?
0: what are some of the ways that you've used that practice? Sounds like you're still just going through this process of being able to say no. I know we spent a lot of time on the course in that and actually provided some templates for saying no in different situations, which a lot of people struggle with for one reason or another. But how are you actually going about that?
1: I think one of the best things for me has been this idea of helping your future self by setting rules today that... Your future self abides by and therefore your future self doesn't have to make all of these decisions all of the time because every additional decision is this load on you right even if you do end up saying no you have to spend all this time justifying that no versus if you actually set up certain rules beforehand like for example a couple months ago or maybe a year ago now i just decided no contract work, right? That was something that constantly people would come to me, they would say, hey, can you work on this project? I'd then have to sit there and vet. oh, could this be worth my time? Could this unlock a career opportunity? Could this make me a ton more money? And at the end of the day, now that I have just made this one singular decision, it has simplified all of the future decisions for me.
0: I love that concept. And I think one thing that people get caught up on with the rules thing is they think that the decisions that they make are final. And I'll give you an example. So I love the idea that you can you know, make one decision that eliminates a thousand decisions down the road. But here's the beauty of doing that. If you at some point down the road want to do contract work again, you can just change that rule. That's one of the things where I think people hesitate to, they're like, oh, I don't want to say no because of this, but we'll try doing that for just one month. And this could apply to, let's say you feel like you're spending too much time on social media, or maybe you're reading the news and it's making you angry, or maybe you're binge watching Netflix when you're feeling down about yourself and you want to stop some of those things. I'm not saying that you need to stop any of them. That's totally up to you. Try not doing that for a week and just make that commitment to yourself or replace the activity with something else that maybe aligns with what you want to do. And then go from there. If you miss a week of the news, is that really going to harm your life? No, it's not. Even if you feel that way right now, it's, it's just simply not. And you can always return to some of those habits. So we talk about some things like how to take a content diet and other specific ways in which you can go about doing those things. But I just wanted to bring that in there because I think this applies to careers as well, which we've talked about in other episodes of the pod. But if you make a career move, it's not permanent and it's not completely life-altering. You could always change your mind and find new directions. And yeah, it may be harder to do certain things, or you may have wasted some time, but sometimes it's actually better to make the move because you can't connect the dots forward.
1: Exactly. And one example of this idea of temporarily purging something is I think a lot of people oversubscribe to newsletters. I have gotten better at this myself, but I still think I subscribe to way too many because again, you're approaching things with the lens of, does this provide any value? And you can always justify, oh, this newsletter is pretty good, or this one time I learned this from it. But at the end of the day, what I've started to do for a lot of them is what you said, Cal, to unsubscribe from them. And the nice thing about newsletters is that you get that unsubscribe email. So if you're really concerned that this may be valuable in the future, go set a reminder. Go set a reminder in a month where that unsubscribe email comes back to you and it'll just remind you of what you could get access to again. But I almost guarantee that if you've taken a long enough break, I'd say at least a month from that thing, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I definitely don't need this anymore. And I actually feel really great about the additional time that I got back.
0: Completely. So I think we could talk about this stuff for hours, especially because we just spent many weeks thinking about just this topic, but maybe we should save some of the specifics for later episodes or just ideas that we can bring up. And if you do want to check out the course, again, it's at doingtimeright.com and you can see all the details there about what's in it. But Steph, I'd love to just finish and learn from you. Did you change anything in your life after going through this kind of deep thought exercise about what's important? How can we communicate that to other people? Were there things that you actually took away from that?
1: Yes, I think there were several things that I took away. And as I think you're alluding to, actually going through and building this course has made me rethink what I implement in my own life. The first thing is the framework, which sounds really vague, but I think in building out this framework and seeing how powerful it can be, now when I go through my day-to-day, I really do think with that sequential series of questions, when I go through something I ask Could this be eliminated? Could it be automated? Could it be delegated? And I didn't used to do that. Sometimes that would come up. I'd think, of course, this could be automated. Of course, this could be delegated. But now that I have this sequential, super simple line of thinking, I am finding myself asked that all the time. And I think it's actually a really powerful set of questions because typically I don't even get to the end of those three questions because by that point, I have either eliminated, automated, or delegated it. So I think that's been really powerful. I also think that one of the things we talk about In the automate section is that automation and delegation really don't need to be binary, meaning you don't need to automate an entire workflow and you don't need to delegate an entire workflow, but you can find parts of workflows that you can automate. And so that's what I've been doing as well is... Documenting critical paths for anything that I repeat, and then finding what sections I can outsource in automation or delegation. That's been really helpful. And the third thing that's been really helpful, as I mentioned, I think it's actually the most important section is this elimination section. So, as I mentioned, I think I'm actually quite bad at this because I come from a mentality of scarcity from the past where I am really excited by opportunities because I didn't always have them. But I think. One of the frameworks that has been really powerful for me is this idea that we came up with, which is that actions are one of three, either productive, unproductive, or destructive. And so productive move you towards your goals, destructive move you away from your goals, and unproductive don't really move you anywhere, but they feel busy. And we talk about these tasks or actions being really sneaky because they feel like you're productive, but they're not. And I think that. Framework has been really helpful for me because as I get a speaking request or again, a contract gig or something that drops on my plate and my first instinct is always ooh like, what is this? But that framework, although it sounds really simple just to ask, is this a productive action? Is this actually moving me towards my goals has been really helpful in me just identifying what I should eliminate.
0: That's awesome. I feel like I've also implemented a number of things. And similar to if you even just wrote an article or really try to get clear on your thoughts about something in ways that you communicate it to other people, you end up getting, if nothing else, just a personal value of understanding something more deeply and then being able to communicate that, but also figure out how it relates to what you want to do in your life.
1: I agree. What are some of the things that you took away? Ooh,
0: wow. There are many. There's certainly like a ton of things, and I'm working on a lot of things. I would say that I don't self-identify as being bad at elimination. It actually is pretty intuitive to me that you need to just cut the noise in your life. But that's the area where I'm always focused on, can I get gains here? Because if I have less to actually do and I'm focused on things that I enjoy, then I just know that my life is overall better and I have room to explore my curiosities and do other things. So one example of that is I've been trying to find ways where I can pay to save time. And so specific things, I moved into an apartment a year and a half ago and I previously was just traveling and eating out a lot. So I've tinkered around with cooking and I certainly do want to still get better at cooking. But for about a year, I had this anxiety that I'm not cooking enough and then I'd order on DoorDash. But I recently found this thing called Every Table, which they're just like pretty healthy meals that are $7 and they deliver it to you every Sunday. So for mostly lunch or sometimes dinners, at least during the week, I now have pre-ordered meals that aren't that expensive where I know I can eat healthy and not have to think too much about it if I'm busy with other things. And I can always go cook and do things on top of that. But now I'm actually cooking when I want to and when it's from a place of joy. And I'm able to not snack on things that I probably don't want to be consuming if I'm lazy and don't have much time. So that's just one simple example of paying to save time. Other ones are when it comes to my website or other things, I'm definitely interested in paying for better tools that I enjoy using, whether it's my email marketing platform or the ways in which I help convert subscribers on my site. I'm just really happy to pay for tools that are a little more expensive because my experience is more pleasant and I spend less time on them in addition to them being more effective. And then the last one, which is a big purchase, but I recently got a massage chair and I was getting massages like once a month, or at least I was trying to before COVID because whenever I'm stressed out, like it's something that really helps me. And I have some like back and neck issues. And so I got this relatively large purchase where I now use it every day. And so if I'm stressed or I'm tired, I go in it for 15 minutes and I actually feel much better. So initially I was pretty hesitant because of the cost, but then I'm like, wow, I actually feel better on a daily basis. How much am I willing to pay for that? That goes to a second topic, which Uh, We don't detail in the course, but I think it's just indispensable if you want to get more out of your time, which is if you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating right, if you're not exercising, it doesn't really matter how effective you are. And I don't think Being busy at work or with other things is really an excuse not to focus on those areas because at the end of the day, if you don't build the right health practices in your life, you're just not going to feel that good. You're not going to have the right energy. You're not going to have the mental acuity that is going to help you really get more out of your time and also enjoy it. So I've just completely doubled down on sleep. So I bought a new bed. I'm tracking my sleep. I'm drinking less. I'm exercising much more. So I'm doing a lot of surfing, yoga. I joined a gym, all these like basic things. And I'm very committed to that. And honestly, I probably feel 20% better every day just from that. And again, we didn't detail that from the course, but the course inspired me to really continue focusing there because it's an area where I felt like I had pretty low energy for a couple of years. And that was taking me away from being able to do what I wanted to or to enjoy what I was doing. And so I wanted to revamp that while I still can, because these practices just compound across your life. And I've tried to do it in sustainable ways. And that's been an awesome improvement. The last thing I've done is try to use automation and delegation to free up time, but also to manage my psychology better. So I was previously working with a virtual assistant in 2018, and I stopped doing that. And now I'm doing that again for some of the tasks that I can outsource that I probably don't need to be doing. And so that has actually freed up some time from things that I don't enjoy that much. And then on the automation end, I have simple things like if you want But I have a course called Foundations where I write book summaries and notes for all the books that I'm reading, which I really enjoy doing. And it's just something I like to do in my own life. And I made it into a product. But now every time I get a sale for the product, I actually have Zapier send me a text message that says, congrats, you just got a new sale for Foundations. So if I'm just going about my day and I'm getting maybe a couple sales a day, it's actually a nice little text to receive as versus some email where it's like, hey, like you need to do better with this work or, Hey, I need you to do something. This is something I want to receive and it motivates me to uh, keep reading and keep distributing that product. So I've tried to find little ways to use automation to actually give me little dopamine hits throughout the day that move me or remind me of the directions that I want to go in.
1: Yeah, I love this idea of using technology to help you get things that you want done. And one quick example I wanted to share that I've actually been enjoying myself is I created an expiring to-dos list. So as I mentioned, I really struggle with elimination and there's always just endless articles I want to read, podcasts I want to listen to. And for a long time, I would, in my Evernote, just create a list of these and it would truly be never-ending. And it just stressed me out, honestly, because I would just always have this very lengthy list of stuff that I felt like I should be getting to. And what I've done recently is rebuilt this in Notion. We share the template in the course, but it basically is a really simple template that has these to-dos expiring after a period of time. I set it at 30 days, but you could do a week, you could do a quarter. And you still have the archive of everything if you truly like one day wanted to revisit it because you took a year off or something like that. But It expires in your view. There's two views that you have, but in your daily view, it expires after that time period. So I no longer feel this weight of, again, 100 articles. I only see maybe the three that I've added in the last month. So I think that has been another just super quick, simple way to use technology to enhance your psychology instead of taking away from it.
0: That's cool. That's a little bit of a different form than what I do with my to-dos, but I think the principle is the same. So I actually have a weekly to-do board with a tool called Chunk. I don't know that I would recommend or not recommend the tool. I don't think it's widely used, but I just have all of my weekly stuff on like an Asana style board. And then my whole backlog of all things I want to read or that I want to do at some future date, they all sit on a completely separate tab. And I actually don't look at that until Sunday when I'm figuring out what I want to do for the week. And just one other hack maybe to layer on your system is I try to plan my week so that 80% of my time is occupied. And that's because inevitably things will come up or I won't be as effective as I thought I would be. That's the planning fallacy. We are all victim to that. And so I try to create slack in my to-do system. So not only am I not overwhelmed or getting a lot done, but feeling like I still have much more to do, but I also have time to adjust for changing circumstances. That's been really helpful for me and has really just been born out of doing a weekly review for about five years now. And I've just slowly gotten better at realizing what can I do? What should I be doing? And I'm not perfect with that. But uh, I think if you get really good at that, then you stop doing a lot and feeling like you're still behind.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of one of the other tutorials in the course where we talk about how to potentially structure your project management system. And one of the key takeaways is structuring it not just in one to-do list, but structuring it by time horizon. So separating your to-dos for today from the ones you're doing this week from the ones that maybe you're doing in this quarter versus the ones that are just uh, cool ideas that maybe you'll do one day. And I feel like that's one of the many examples in the course that we could cover, but I know this podcast is already running over. So if people found this episode interesting, definitely let us know. We could do more of them, but it's sometimes hard to tell because productivity can be such a vague amorphous thing, but it really does underpin our ability to use, as we talked about earlier, our most valuable resource, which is time.
0: Awesome. Hopefully this was a good use of your time. If you've gotten to this point, if not, please stop listening to the podcast and unsubscribe (laughs) from all of our stuff. And I'm very serious about that. If it's not adding a lot of value to your life, don't listen.
1: You know, what's funny about that is I've tweeted about, I do this thing where I only follow 99 people and I tell other people to set up similar systems. And I've had a couple of responses, which are like, then I should unfollow you. And I'm like, heck yeah, you should unfollow me if you don't think you get value from me.
0: Awesome. Shall we end it there?
1: Yeah. This was the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. You can find me on Twitter at StephSmithIO.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Calvin underscore Russer. And you can check out the course again at doingtimeright.com. If you have any feedback or things that you'd love to have us add or ideas that you find particularly interesting, just let us know because we're thinking of this as you know really a living, breathing resource that we can improve over time. So it's always good to know what people struggle with and see if there's some ways in which we can actually help based on what we've learned.
1: All right, until next time.
0: And next time will not be too long because we're back.